let's take us a songbook, stand together, turn to 317. 317, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us, as we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures, lead us. For our youth Nevada, but they'll be flying back in on Sunday. So pray for them. They have a safe trip back home. 
pray for me while she's gone that everything goes smooth. She shouldn't be no problems, but hey, never know. But uh, but anyway, just remember to pray for us. And, and uh, I don't think there's anything else. You know anybody we need to pray for tonight, especially? Right. That's right. She was going this week. I, I couldn't remember. I feel like it was Thursday, but so I don't know. Maybe it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking it was Thursday for some reason. Anyway, yes, let's remember her in prayer. And uh, let's pray for Yeah, Donnie's tooth. Yeah, Donnie having a bad tooth. He's having Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, he's he's dealing with a bad, bad tooth, and he needs some prayer. <coughs> okay. Okay. All right. And remember your sister in prayer as well. I bet they did. I bet they did. Praise God. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us tonight. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Jesus came into my heart. 435. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Jesus came into my heart. I had lied in my soul for which long I had been. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, was of joy or my soul like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart, I have ceased from my wandering and going. Oh, there to dwell in that city I know. 
Oh, 
but it's everything that we need. But we got beyond uh, chapter t- uh, 9, and now we're to chapter 10. And from chapter 10 to, uh, I believe it's chapter 23, we're basically in one-liners. I don't know if you're familiar what I'm talking about there when I say one-liners, but uh, you, you get a bunch of sayings that are that are basically as a contrast. You got, you got, well, we're just going to read. That's what we'll do. We'll just read. But uh, Proverbs chapter 10, and uh, we're going to we're going to go down here as far as we can go, and then we'll just we'll throw a caboose on it and we'll stop. All right. But I want to just pray first before we get started because there's not like we're going to read a narrative and then go back and look at it. These again, just one little one line. Uh, things. So let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the, the time that we've set aside to come together and meet in your house. And Father, I'm I'm grateful, Lord, for the word of God. I'm thankful tonight that, you, uh, that you've called me to this ministry, and I'm thankful tonight that your Holy Spirit is here to help me and guide me, to speak through me the things that ought to be said and the way they ought to be said. And Father, I just praise you tonight. I praise you for your goodness and your mercy. Praise you for your wisdom that you've imparted to us, Lord, that you give us exactly what we need, and Father, that you teach us your truth, and Father, you break it down where we can understand it, and Lord, I'm, I'm so grateful. I pray you'd help me tonight, Lord, to speak the words of God, uh, Father, to communicate the truth to your folks, and, and Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit of God take it and embed it in us, Lord, that we we leave here and we go out to, the, to our lives, Father, that we remember these things, that we lean upon these truths, Father, as we face the difficulties and, and the affairs of life. And, Lord, we just ask you now to, Holy Spirit of God, take us and, 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 and put us in the frame of mind where we can receive these things. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So getting into this tonight. He starts off there, he says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Now, as far as wise sons goes, I, I would say probably Solomon's probably the ultimate in wise sons as they go. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us over in First Kings chapter three that right after David died and Solomon was made king, you know he he uh, he went up into one of the high places to do worship and he had a dream, and in that dream, y'all know the story. You know, God asked him, "So what will you what do you want? Ask him, and I'll give it to you." And he said, "I'm I'm just a man. I I don't know how to go in and out." It's, didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for all the other things, I'll give those things alongside the wisdom. And and so, he, again, he was the ultimate wise son because he had a, he, he valued wisdom above everything else that he could have had. Now, now let's, let's remember he didn't, it didn't stay that way, but, but that's the way it started out. And, you know, and, and when King, when King David saw this heart developing in his son, a heart that sought after wisdom, don't you know that had to make him glad? I'm telling you, as, as a father who's had, who's had uh, four sons, I can tell you that you want them so badly to get what you're saying. You want them so badly to hear you. And, and there's nothing that gives you any more grief than to see them go and do the opposite of you told them, what you told them to. 
thinking that they got, they're smarter than you and they're going to figure something out that you don't know. There's nothing that grieves a dad much more than that. And, and then to say, why in the world? And, and I'm going to say this tonight. I, I don't, I'm not trying to pick on any of them. But it amazes me how, how young people, they'll listen to a teacher or a football coach and they won't listen to their own dad. Like this, or a guy they started working with, some assistant manager in a store they've known for 15 minutes, suddenly he's got more wisdom than you ever thought about having. And, and, and there's nothing more aggravating than that. But, but, you know, David, bless his heart, he didn't have that problem. Because Solomon was a good son, and, and he was a wise son, and he, he sought after wisdom. But the Bible says that but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Uh and let's understand what that means, lest we get the wrong idea about mama. Uh, it says it's the heaviness of it. It means the grief, not her weight. It has nothing to do with her weight. It has to do with her grief. And, and that son ends up being a mother's grief because we know. He listen, listen, uh, daddy's had daddy's little girls and mama's had mama's boys. We know that. And, 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 and every, every uh, you know, I, say every, I, I know there's some mamas that ain't so good and some daddies that ain't so good in this world, but, but every good mom and every good daddy, you know, they love their kids. And a mama, she has a special affection for her son. And the Bible says that a foolish son is the grief of his mother. And, again, we're going to see as we go through here, most of these Proverbs, they work off the principle of contrast. And this 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 one contrasts the foolish son with the wise son. And, you know, it's funny, but like I said, we could, we could say that, Again, even though Solomon started out to be a wise son, he was wiser than anybody else. He was a foolish son because, you know, he well in in First Kings chapter eleven. Let me just turn over. I'll read it to you some of it. First Kings. I think we ought to read. These people probably need to hear it tonight. I know y'all probably know what I'm going to read to you, but uh, there's probably some folks listening in tonight that has no idea why I'm saying that. So I think I'll just read a little bit of that for their benefit. First Kings chapter 11, the Bible says, But King Solomon loved many strange women. That was the problem right there. Remember that? Remember Proverbs chapter 7 about the strange woman and all that? And, you know, it seems like maybe he was talking about some of his experience here. Or maybe he didn't listen to his own advice, one of the two. But it says, but he loved many strange women together with the daughters of the daughter of Pharaoh, which was his first wife, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. He didn't he didn't discriminate. I mean, he's like, you bring a woman around here, I'll marry her, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but he said, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go in unto them. Neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will listen, they will turn away your heart after their gods. God gave him that warning. And the Bible says Solomon clave unto these in love. Oh, it's just so smitten and so pretty. Have you seen the Hittite women? They're beautiful. You gotta get you one. I mean, he was just crazy. He was woman crazy. And and the Bible said that, that he had seven hundred wives. You talk about sister wives, man alive. Uh, I know y'all seen that show on TV, but I don't watch it, but I know of it. But anyway, uh, 700, man, you talk, I don't know how they got along. Can you imagine 700 women trying to get along about anything? I mean, I can't imagine that. I, I mean, 
Lord have mercy. How did he have time to see them all? I just don't understand. You know, because they all wanted attention. You know they all wanted attention. They all wanted to feel special. They all wanted to feel like they was the best one. How did he have time? I don't get it. But he had 700 wives and princesses, it said. Well, they really made some good treatment. They were princesses. I bet they, I bet they had to be treated special. And, and, and 300 concubines. Those were kind of like married girlfriends, sort of. And, and his wives turned away his heart. They turned away his heart. He ended up building, he ended up building uh, and we're talking about the gods of the Babylonians. We're talking about... We're talking, about those, we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about those kind of gods. We're talking about false gods, and, and, and he built—I mean, he built a, a temple to those gods where they could go in and worship those false gods. You know, I feel—I thank God his mother was gone at that time, or he would have been a grief to his mother. David was gone, and his mama was gone. But goodness gracious, it was long after his mother passed. But but you know what? We need to, what we need to learn from this, what every young person especially needs to learn from this, is that our, our wisdom or our lack of wisdom, either way, it affects more than ourselves, either our foolishness or our wisdom. You know, because, again, you've, all, you've heard it said that no man's an island unto himself, but, you know, having wisdom, if you're a wise person, it benefits more than you. It benefits everybody around you if you're a wise person. I mean, they get wiser by being around you. And guess what? Your foolishness, it grieves more than just you. Every time every time somebody does something foolish, if they got a mama, that mama's just shaking her head saying, Oh Lord, not again. Not again. Daddy's like, Lord, how much is it gonna cost me this time? Not again. You know, it's it's a heaviness, the grief. Uh you know, and, and and we, we that's why it's so important that we get next to God so we can get from him what we need. Number verse two. It says, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. So treasures of wickedness profit nothing. You know, you, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that they say, I ain't got time to go to church. I, I, I got to make money. I, I'm, I'm all about making money. I, money, money, money. Everything they, they do is about making more money, uh, making deals, wheeling and dealing. And you can, you can spend your life making money. And you'll wind up finding out that you wasted your life. And I'm not saying we don't need money. Of course we need money. God will have money to live in this world. I've told Mama on the way over, it's pitiful, but we're, we're the only species that has to pay rent to live here. You know? I mean, everybody else got a place. But us, we got to keep paying and paying and paying, and you never own anything. Uh, property taxes, nobody ever owns anything. But but if you go at it the wrong way, it's not going to profit you anything. You know? Jesus told the rich fool in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21, the Bible said he spake a parable unto them. He told the story about the rich fool, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where, where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my, to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease and be merry. And somebody would say, well, what was wrong with that? Man, what a great deal. He had a bumper crop. He had more than he had. He had plenty to put up. He wouldn't have to work for a long, long time. What a great deal. But doesn't it make sense that the 
man had enough. He had plenty for himself, and he had plenty left over, and he could have helped so many other people with what he had left over. But he didn't see it that way. He said, no, I'm going to be selfish and keep all this for myself because, you know, he, he, might, look at it, he might have looked at it the wrong way and said, well, God just blessed me. Well, I ain't have to work no more. That's not the way God works, though. We know that ain't the way God functions. Uh, God, God expects for us to, to, to be busy, for our hands to always be busy. And God said to that man, he said, thou fool, you're not wise. You think you're wise, but God called him a fool. I didn't call him a fool. God called him a fool. He said, you think you're wise. He said, but, and you think that you got everything laid out and everything's going to be good. He said, but this night thy soul shall be required of thee. You're going to die tonight. All of this that you, and whose things shall those, shall those things be? Who's going to get them? Which thou hast provided. You thought you had enough for a long time, but you know what? Your life run out today. And it says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, hold on. Does it say that somebody that lays up treasure is, is wrong? No, that's not what that's saying. It says, he that layeth up treasure for himself and is rich, not rich toward God. How do you get rich toward God? You, you help others. You do for others. You try, uh, you, you know, God's not asking you to do without, but he's compassion to somebody else. That's having the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ. That's, that's loving people for Christ's sake. And, and and he said so he said he said you're not you're not rich. You thought you were, thought you had everything, but that was only earthly things. And earthly things don't stay. You gotta lay up for yourself riches in heaven. So the rich fool gave great wealth but he didn't he wasn't rich toward God. He ended up losing it all. But so he says he says treasures are rich of wickedness Profit nothing. It doesn't do you any good to get greedy and try to keep all you can keep. He said, but righteousness delivereth from death. Righteousness delivereth from death. Being right with God. Man, what, what kind of price can you put on that? Money can't buy that, being right with God. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can, can pay that, that price. You know, Romans 5.21 says that as sin... As sin hath reigned unto death, in other words, sin leads to death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Delivered from death. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and, and grace is king. And amen. Because grace is king, I have righteousness, amen, by Jesus Christ. Now, verse 3, he said, The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. The Lord will not allow the righteous, the soul of the righteous to famish. Now, when you read that, if you're not careful, you might misunderstand that. You might read that and say, well, that means if I'm saved, then God won't, won't let me fall on hard times. But, I, but if you read it that way, you didn't read it right. Because... This is one of the blessings that money can't buy. We talked about how money, uh, all that money couldn't buy you things that, that you need from the Lord. And this, this principle is not directed to the body. It's not directed to the flesh. It's not directed to that part of you. It's directed to your soul. It says that the Lord will not suffer or not allow the soul of the righteous to famish, the, the soul. So the soul can flourish even when the body's under affliction, 
even when the body's going through tremendous affliction. Uh, let me give you let me give you some examples. Uh, how many of y'all have ever heard of the book Pilgrim's Progress? The name John Bunyan. He was a preacher in England. Yeah, he was he was he was jailed in London Bridge uh, for preaching without a license. He's my kind of guy. He didn't let the state tell him what to do. And they kept him in a, in a cell there, and he wrote the book, Pilgrim's Progress, on cork milk bottle stoppers. The whole book. It's amazing. You know what? I think alone in that, and you know what? He was away from his wife, his children, but alone in that jail cell, he found the peace and the comfort of God, and, and which, which gave him uh, the inspiration to write that book, which is still people reading it today. I'll give you another one. And one even one even more uh, difficult than that, the name Corey Timberg. I mean, I know the name Corey Timberg, the hiding place. Uh, you know, she talks. You know, she lost her sister while she was in there. They ate moldy bread. Uh, you know, they they were covered in lice constantly. There were rats in there, and it was so bad. And she said that the that the that the Nazi soldiers wouldn't even come into the barracks because it was so bad. And she thanked God for the lice. Praise God for the life that was constantly biting her because it kept away the raping soldiers and the beatings and all of the horrible things that they faced. And in the midst of all that, she praised God. She had joy in her soul though her flesh was afflicted. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. I'll give you another one. The Apostle Paul. Uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 9, listen, he says, but what things were gained to me, in other words, the life I used to live, when he was well-respected, when he was uh, uh, elevated to high places, when, when, I mean, he was a pillar of the, of the Jewish community, uh, when he was looked upon with favor by not only the, those around him, but his family, everybody, but now he said, those things, I counted lost for Christ, I lost. I lost everything I used to have. He said, but what things were gained to me? Okay, well, I lost it. That's fine. He said, and and, and doubtless, without a doubt, I count all things but lost. Everything that I had, it's gone. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. When I came to Christ and, and he saved me by his grace, I lost all that, and that's fine. I don't care that I lost everything that I had. He said, he said, for the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Not some things, all things. He was a homeless fellow. He had everything, and he lost everything. He lost family, he lost friends, he lost everything. And he said, and I count them but dung. Now, we know what that is. Yeah, there's a pasture full of it all around Clarksville, I guarantee you. Yeah, I'm I, I nearly stepping it every time I walk in the yard. I got my dog there. Yeah, I mean, it ain't something you want on your shoe. It ain't something you want to track in the house. It ain't something you want to smell. It ain't something you want to touch. Paul said, you know what? Everything I used to have in my life ain't no more important to me than all that is. He said that I may win Christ. You know what that means? That means that I may let go of all that and embrace him completely. That does, he's not talking about his salvation. I want you to understand that. He's already saved. But but you understand, just like in a marriage, you can be married to somebody and not have a relationship. It can be a strained, awful existence just living with that person because there's no love there. 
human for the sake of, of getting along. Okay? That's the way some people, I think, are in their salvation experience. They just born to get along with God at all. Paul said, no, all those things that, used to, that, that were there that stood in the way of me and my relationship with Christ, when I came to him, I let it all go, and that's fine. I don't want it no more. He said, listen, I want him more than I ever wanted that. I want to know him more than I ever wanted to know my friends and everybody else around me. The relationships I used to care about, I cared nothing about compared to the relationship I have with him. And he said, and I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. He said, but that which is through the faith of Christ, not my righteousness, but his imputed righteousness in my life, the righteousness which is of God by faith. God said, I will suffer that soul to be found. You come after me and, and, and long for me, I promise you, you'll be full. I promise you, you'll be satisfied. He'll not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the substance of the wicked. To be wicked and in opposition to God, you're going to have your desires frustrated. God is not going to let you succeed ultimately. You know that wicked, wicked folks. They think they they don't mean God don't mean nothing to them. He's not even in. He's not even in their view. He could care, they could care less about God. But you know what? They don't escape God. They don't escape His view. They don't escape His knowledge. They don't escape His will. To be righteous and to inherit eternal life through Jesus Christ is to have your desire fulfilled. But to be wicked is to have it frustrated. Proverbs fourteen thirty two says, "The wicked is driven away in his wickedness." but the righteous has hope in his death. I have hope because I have Christ. But, but again, the wicked, he can't come to Christ. He's so caught up in his wickedness. He can't see past his wickedness because he loves his wickedness, and it'll keep him in his wickedness. Destruction because, again, he doesn't want God. Verse 4. Goodness, we might not get very far tonight. That's okay. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. With the hand of the diligent, maketh rich. Of course, this is describing the lazy man, the lazy woman, a slack hand. Lazy man or woman that doesn't put forth their hand to do any work. We've got a world full of those kind of people. You know, the Bible tells us that we should do everything we do heartily as unto the Lord. I mean, that's the way the Bible tells us to do things. But our nation is bearing the fruit of all this. Right now, I mean, we're, 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 people, can't keep, people can't keep employees. The places are having a hard time staying open. I'm seeing stuff closed down around me. Why? Because people don't want to work. They do not want to work. I mean, there's, there's employee-wanted, help-wanted signs everywhere. People just don't want to work anymore. But God says, listen, we're not supposed to be lazy. God says we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to just lay around. We're supposed to do, we're supposed to apply uh, Colossians 3.23 in our lives, the Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. There's a whole world of work for people. Well, go on and work for God. Be a good, be a good uh, Christian. Go to work and show that you want to believe in this life to people. Go down there and work for God. Forget the guy and always work for the Lord. I guarantee you both will appreciate you for it. But he said the hand of the diligent makes rich. 
Slack hand will make you lazy. Slack hand will make you poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Hard work is normally rewarded. And prosperity prosperity normally comes to the person who works for it. But, and you got to understand something. That's, God's not against that. Because um, industry was the law God God put in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. God intended for him to work. And even now, though creation bears the stamp of the fall, and we see that in Genesis 3.19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for the dust thou art, and to the dust thou shalt return. It's still a blessing. It's still a blessing to be able to work and earn, earn a living and be able to be able to take care of take care of things. And you know, and when God's blessing is on you, when God's providence is on your life, you can you can accumulate some wealth in this world. It's not all about all the money again. It's about our relationship with God. A person can have money as long as his heart's right with God. I mean, God doesn't mind a person having having some nice things and having a little wealth if they are a a, a Christian who who serves the Lord and gives to the Lord and takes care of, of the Lord's business. Verse 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. If you remember back in, in Proverbs chapter 6, of course, probably you may have forgotten that because it's been a minute since we've been back there. Let me turn back a few pages. Proverbs 6, we talked about the ant. God talked about the ant, verse 6 through 8 there. Let's read that in chapter 6. He says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the harvest. I'm sorry, in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of sleep? I read verse 9 too, but that don't work, doesn't But uh, But again, God mentions how the ant gets up and does what ne- what's necessary. The ant's got more wisdom than a lot of folks do. And, uh, you know, because we're, you need to work. You need to work hard at the right time. And here he's talking about, he's talking about he gathers in summer. And, uh, and, and the, the son here, he's showing his wisdom by getting up and going to work and not laying up in the bed when it's time to go to work. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a time to work and there's a time to rest. But when it's time to work, the person ought to be working. He says he gathers in summer. Uh, he works at the appropriate time, you know, and, and there's no hurry. And there's no delay either. He's just working steady. Uh, the Bible talks about in, in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, uh, describing the tribes of Israel, talks about the men of Issachar were great. They they, they were in good with David uh, when he was down there hiding in the uh, when he was hiding from Saul. Of course, there were men there who the Bible said they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do and when to do it. So they they understood they understood uh, the way that the weather functioned. They understood uh, you know the times and the seasons and different things. Uh, I'm assuming they understood the planting and the harvest and everything that there was to know. You know, and, and just like that, we need to understand those seasons of our lives because there's going to be times where you're going to reap things. There's going to be times when you're going to sow. There's going to be times when you're going to just have to wait. And we need to have a little bit of, of discernment of the Lord to be able to understand the seasons of our life. I'll give you an example. You take Joseph. 
remember Joseph had sold many cars, favored by his dad. Uh, his brothers were jealous. They sold him off into slavery. I mean, he was in, uh, I've told the story one time, but I mean, he's, he, he's off in slavery, and then he, he winds up getting sold into the house of Potiphar. And he's a servant of Potiphar. He earns his, his keep, and Potiphar says, hey, you're a great guy. I trust you with everything. I'll leave my house here with you, and I'm going off on a journey. After, after uh, Joseph and decided she was going to make her moves, and, and he just busted right out of there and left his clothes laying, uh, hanging in her hand, and she, he ran out naked. Well, what happened? He got thrown into prison. Got framed. Man, what a rotten deal. I mean, he got he got done a bum deal by his brothers. Man, what kind of deal was that? Y'all really loved me. You sold me into slavery. Then, again, he gets framed by her and thrown into prison and forgotten. Kind of looked bad for him, didn't it? I mean, he could have given up. been easy to say, well, psh, what's the point of serving God? Look at the way my life's turned out. Well, I've heard people like that. I've talked to people like that. They give up on God because they've had some bad seasons of their life. And you know what? But Joseph didn't look at it like that. He said, you know what? i got a season coming. i got a, I got a season of blessing coming, but I'm going I'm to keep being faithful to God. And you know what happened? Anyway, he ended up interpreting a dream. And well, then when, when Pharaoh had the dream about the famine and all that, well, he was called upon to come out of the prison. And in 30 minutes' time, he went from the prison to the palace and became the second in command in all of Egypt. So... He, he just had to wait for the right season. But he, you know what he did do? He didn't throw his life away. He continued to look for opportunities in his life. He continued to prepare and to preserve his life against an unknown future. But he knew God had something for him if he served him. He trusted that God was not going to leave him. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know where we're at in each one of our lives, what kind of season you're going through, but I want to tell you, don't get discouraged just because you're going through something you don't like. Because, listen, God's not done with you or he'd already have you home by now. So don't give up yet. Uh, don't get discouraged. You know, I think about John 9, 4, where Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He said, i got to do it now when it's time to do it. And listen, and we need to, we need to serve God now while we have time and not and not and not expect that we're going to have time because we don't ever know when that last day is going to be for us. And let's let's get on to the end of this, and we'll, we'll knock it off for the night. And the, the Bible says, let me let me go ahead and read that verse again. He that gathereth in summer is a wild son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. He that sleepeth in harvest. I picture Dad out in the fields, out there working and sweating, and teenage boy. Laying up in the bed, ain't had a bath in three more days, stinking the high heaven. Room smell like dirty sacks. Won't get up and do a blessed thing unless he wants to get up and make a sandwich and go back and lay down because he's tired. I, I, yeah, you can tell I've raised kids, right? But, you know, when it's time to go to work, boy, I'll not be laying in the bed. Hey, sure, I'll not be laying in the bed, daddy out there working in the field. I mean, that, that's just downright shameful. But, you know, that's just laziness. That's what the Bible calls folly. And it causes shame not only to the boy because he won't get up and do what he's supposed to do, but it causes shame to the dad because the guy drives by and says, Why are you out there doing all that yourself? Where's your boy? And I laid up in the bed. He won't get up and do nothing. And that causes shame. causes shame to mama. And, and listen, there's so many believers. Like, there's a picture of believers who won't do a blessed thing for God. Saved their soul, gave them eternal salvation, redeemed them for all eternity, and they won't do a blessed thing for God. 
And it's it's harvest time, y'all. It's harvest time. All this all the work of the field needs to be done in the season that's suitable for the work in the field. Uh, Adam Clark said, "If summer and harvest be neglected, in vain does a man expect the fruits of autumn." In other words, you don't wait to pick your tomatoes till after Thanksgiving. You won't have much of a harvest. You you got to pick them when the tomatoes are ripe, and that's the summertime. <clears throat> it's as much the will of God that young people gather knowledge as it is that the farmer go out and gather his crop. If it's going if it's going to rot on the vine, what good does it do anybody? And God's got wisdom for everybody, and we need to get it. And when we get it, we'll know what to do and when to do. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. And to the ones who listened in tonight, I hope you got something from that. And uh, apply these things, they'll, they'll help you. God didn't give us these things just to make us feel better. He gave them to us to help us. You know, just like a, just like a man's got a, got a tool set. Screwdrivers and wrenches have different jobs. You know, Allen wrenches and Box in wrenches, they different things. They fit different things, and and God's got God's got different things for each of us, but He's got something for each of us, and He's got the tools for whatever needs to be done for whatever situation. God can fit you to do whatever He needs you to do. Never forget that. You don't have to come equipped. God can fit you to do whatever God wants you to do. You just have to come and say, Lord, I know you want me to go work for you. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. That's what it takes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to bless us tonight. And let's ask, let's ask you, let's, we'll see you back here Sunday morning. Brother Byron, why don't you dismiss us?